This is episode 567 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Blackout Chaos in Venezuela, Looting, Rotting Food, Scarcity of News, and Death. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into our article, but I just want to let you know that it is storming outside, so uh, you might hear some uh, thunder going off in the background. It's supposed to storm all night long, so there really isn't a good time to, uh, to record this. So just in case... You hear some thunder. That's what's going on. All right. So our article of the podcast comes to us from theorganicprepper.com. And again, the article is entitled Blackout Chaos in Venezuela, Looting, Rotting Food, Scarcity of News, and Death. So let me go ahead and jump right in. And there'll be some commentary as we read and maybe at the end as well. All right. Here we go. I am devastated because of the news of these last few days. The reality is the reason for the power grid countrywide failure is the corruption level of these last years. Our main electricity generation company is a state-owned one, and the budget for the maintenance was stolen. Plain and simple. The funds are now in some tax haven under the name of who knows whom. Now, start with the real topic, how to deal with the consequences. The blackout in Venezuela has no end in sight. This extremely extended blackout is going to stay a long time, I have been sent reports of people charging $1 to charge your cell phone 10 minutes. Go figure. I have seen pictures of 5 kilograms of ice bags being sold at $10. This is not going to last too long. The military is going to jail those abusing their ice production capacity. Not for justice, but to take it over for themselves. This is too easy to predict. And that is why living in a large city once things start to become hairy stinks. In Caracas, the capital, people are driving in the opposite direction in the highways, trying to locate a spot with cell phone signal to send messages via the internet. They are roaming desperately in the streets looking for drinking water, ice, medicine, or food. The country became a concentration camp courtesy of Uncle Hugo, Fidel, Raul Castro, and Diaz Canal. If someone out there believes that Cuba Island should not be freed, let me know the reasons. They are responsible for all of this mess. Just look at the history. They tried to invade Venezuela in 1963 and then again in 1967. Changing the tactics, they introduced a mole in the army in 1974, Hugo. This has been extensively documented by Ivan Caruto Molina, and he has been interviewed many times. I am sure he has published some of his work translated to English, explaining how they arrived to the chair to weld themselves into the power. All right, guys, so that's a little interesting there where eventually the communist, and and I don't know the history, I'm just going off of of what he's saying here, but uh, the communist at some point said, you know what, let's go ahead and let's not try to do this with war. Let's just do, let's play the long game, right? And uh, I know that there's been, There's been videos and things like that over the years that I have shared on Prepper website about the same type of things and the mentality of, uh, you know, like the Soviet Union and communism infiltrating the United States. 
you know, I don't know. Some of those documentaries sound very, uh, you know, they, they sound really good. They're really well put together. They're very convincing, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I mean, people that are more on the conspiracy theory side of it would uh, would think like that. But, you know, the thing is, we don't, you know, we were actually talking about this uh Sunday, Sunday at, at church, we had a couple of guys who were just kind of talking about it. Um, a lot of other countries tend to play the long game, right? So they think into the future. They think about, you know, where are we going to be 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road? Here in America, it's more about the bottom line. It's like, how can I get, you know, my cake and eat it right now, right? And how can I make sure that I get the votes so that I can stay in power? And, you know, I, I go ahead and I'll mortgage the future so that I can have a better today and all those types of things. And if that was the case where they started thinking about, hey, how can we infiltrate Venezuela? Well, you know, that they were playing the long game. So I don't know. Again, I'm just throwing this out there. I don't know the history very well. But this guy that he mentioned here, Ivan Carotu Molina, that might be some somebody to if you're interested in it somebody to go research and see if some of his information is out there translated into english all right so let's go ahead and move forward there is a terrifying scarcity of news after over 50 hours without any electricity i have not received messages from my family in the last three days as they are in a very small town and have access to an underground stream and power generation a fruit garden and small cottage and farms all over the place I assume they are coping with the situation. My concern is for them to have access to gasoline and food as the electronic payments has been severed with the blackout. However, they, being widely known in the town, should not have too many problems. I have tried to make phone calls to the landlines, but they are disabled too. The few notices I have received is that there are lootings in Caracas and surrounding areas. I can't know how extended or severe the situation is. There is no one there with means to transmit what can be happening. This is an ideal situation for the activation of a ham-based network information. Solar panels, a small battery to run the equipment, safety from a remote station, and we are set. It is very likely that any station transmitting somehow sensitive information like looting places, dog-eat-dog shootings, gunfights, road blockages, and the like could be targeted by the authorities, though. In our case, it is more about connecting people in other countries with their relatives inside. So that's very interesting. You know, I have a really close friend at church who is who is a ham uh, radio operator, and he actually trains and stuff like that. And he keeps hitting me up to to get my ham license, and it's just I just have no time, right? But that's very interesting, right? Because there's a lot of uh, opportunity there to share out information. And again, I think it's interesting that if you were reporting the news or you're sharing out, unless you were able to be mobile, yeah, you know, they could probably found, find out where you're transmitting from. So that's very interesting that they would want to shut that down. The other aspect of that is that, you know, it would be good to be able to communicate with people and maybe ham radio operators. That's That's one way of doing it. So anyway, just something to think about there. Or at least if someone was broadcasting and you had a radio where you could just listen in, you might choose to do that. You know, any kind of news that you were getting that way would be very, very helpful in knowing what was going on in the outside world. All right, moving on. The harsh reality of surviving a collapse is hitting people in Venezuela now. 
I read in the social networks people that start to provide survival advice with basic items and newbie prepper stuff. I used to receive jokes and used to have coworkers laughing at me when they watched my house evolve in my gear. I just hope now that they don't loot it while I'm not there. Now, there's probably no hope in that. If people knew you were preparing and they know that you're not there, your, your stuff is probably wound, wound up gone or people are living there. So the food, scarce and extremely expensive, is getting spoiled after over two days without power. People are really starting to face in a tropical climate with temperatures over 29 degrees centigrade or 84 degrees Fahrenheit how hard it is to survive. The water pumping system is down, so people with tanks or gravity systems already have a backup. But without any power to fill the tank, the situation is going to become nasty. Now, thank God the sewage system there is designed to work without any pumping. One of my friends in our city has a solar panel, but he can't find a battery at an affordable price. He earns a $5 salary and the battery is $80 cash. He won't use the old battery of his truck because it won't last and it is beyond its natural life limit. He has a small genset but can't find oil for the two-stroke engine, again, at a price he can pay. Now, this should raise concerns to those living on a wage of a state company all over the world. My dad has been able to deal with inflation because he is a freelancer and he adjusts his prices, sometimes even bargaining and getting food or goodies. It is becoming harder for me to focus on writing. Being, a job, being jobless in a foreign country and without knowing anything about my parents is not something that helps. I apologize if this seems to be written a little erratically. All right, so I'll continue on in just a minute. Really good about the sewage system that it is, that it, it will work on a gravity-based system. And so it will move sewage out of you know the homes and it won't back up. That's, uh, that's a really good thing. But you are living in a tropical climate. And so there's going to be heat. And, you know, when you have older people and really young people and they get overheated, I mean, that's a, that's a thing. You want to have that opportunity to cool down. And so a lot of the times when we move into our modern ways of living, we don't have, you know, we've lost those ways of that people used to cool down. Maybe the homes are being built differently. Um, you know, we don't know all the little tricks and things, you know, that are there. I mean, people will start to pick those back up. People will, people are smart. Um, there will be older people that will share advice and things like that. But that's one of those things that, you know, that's where we, we've lost a lot of those old skills that people refer to and that just that old knowledge of how people survived. Like, I don't know how people lived in Houston. Like, I don't know why people would have settled in Houston. The Allen brothers who, who settled Houston, I'm like, what were you thinking? It was hot and humid, and there's just no reason why, without air conditioning, anyone would have wanted to come to Houston. And so I can imagine you know, when we lose power or whatever, after after a while, it's it's very uncomfortable, especially if it's right in the middle of summer. So, you know, what, what would you do and what types of things would you be thinking about? We're really in that situation here where we're not just preparing for the short term, right? The, you know, we talk about, I, I talk about that quite often. A lot of the times moving into preparedness and emergency preparedness, we do it for the short term things, maybe like hurricane, maybe blizzard, maybe tornadoes, you know, all those different types of things that, that we deal with. But at the same time, we should be thinking long-term as well because the people in Venezuela have been going after it for a while. 
So what would you be doing long-term or what kinds of things can you put in place that are short-term, that help for short-term, but will also help for the long-term, right? And so those are things to always kind of think about. One of the things I was thinking when his he said his friend doesn't have batteries, I, I would think that there'd be a lot of batteries kind of laying around because people just don't have the gas. Uh, but I might be wrong. And maybe things people are looking for anything. Like he mentioned, a battery cost $80, right? And uh, maybe people are just looking for anything to be able to barter or be able to trade and, and be able to, uh, to to make some kind of money or uh, get some goods from. And so that's very interesting. Again, the, the whole he works for the state and is only making $5 where other people, where his father was is a freelancer and he's able to adjust or even barter for, for food and, and goods and, and things like that. I think that's kind of you know interesting there. All right, so moving on, being without power is making food preservation and cooking difficult. Okay, now let's see. There is no power during the day and the supply is two or three hours daily if that. No power means no water in the cities at least. The food in people's fridge is rotting after 48 hours in the dark. Many of them reported this on social networks. I don't have a clue how many change to electric kitchens because of the inability to find bottled propane. That's almost impossible to know, but it must be an extremely large number. That worked fine until now when we face a total power grid collapse. No one bothered in researching some alternative cooking means just like solar dishes or similar ways. Many people have a grill at least and finding some firewood in a nearby park should not have been so hard to prevent the food from rotting. Of course, some city people won't want to damage their image collecting firewood. Darwin kicks in and hurts. The worst part is that most of the apartments must be now dark, humid, and hot caves. Not a place I would like to be these days. Outside, things can get really hairy in a heartbeat. Talking with my wife while having some coffee, we realize how lucky we are, despite being both jobless and broken beyond belief, but we are still a family. The reports I have been receiving are stuff like, a girl I met in the SSNN giving a ride to a granny with a stroke and her son to a private medical center, and they almost refused to attend her because there was no place. They insisted until the doctors admitted her. The guard of the clinic approached the girls and told them to go home because an explosion was coming. The girl described extreme tension in the environment. Now, being the capital city, the rest of the country already was struggling with some issues and being punished as well by the gang. But nothing prepared the people of the capital to face this. Carrying water bottles, two gallons each, by the stairs up to a 15th floor is not something that your average next door girl used to do every day. Paying dollars because no one wants some other currency is something that never was in the realm of the possibilities. I am proud to say I saw that, especially that, coming in 2015 and told it to a friend of mine. Many of those early warning signs, and I wrote about those signs indeed in one of my first articles, are now a cold and painful reality. That said, I must recognize something. It was extremely expensive and difficult to stock a pantry when my wife and I started prepping circa 2008. Nevertheless, we did it. In the top of our preppings, we calculated two months for the four of us without leaving home, provided no power collapse, of course, and water supply was more or less constant to fill up the tank. 
Now, this is very important and have to be considered in any prepping plan made to survive long term. After our acquisition power started to vanish, working for a salary was no longer viable. Our pantry got a deep beating in less than half of the calculated time. I can't explain if this was something atypical or if this was to be expected in hyperinflation. There was no way to buy food after the hyperinflation process started to develop itself. We had to consume our stock mainly because the rationing taking place made impossible to to replenish. This is why I hate those demons. After a while, I was entirely relying on my other online job, working until 12 a.m., often to wake up at 6 a.m. for the day job, and exchanging a good portion of that salary to be able to buy most of our food. We invested in the improvement of our education. I don't know to do anything else than my profession, and my only vocation perhaps is to talk a lot, besides writing, of course. We saved some of the money, but plenty of that was for home improvements and food. The very hard choice of our forced displacement had to be made, with me leaving early to try to set up something before bringing along my family, and I will always appreciate those who sent assistance those days for the tickets and will be eternally thankful for that. Please read a summary of the situation I have seen and my conclusion in the next article in a couple of days. All right, so that's Jose who lived, used to live in Venezuela. I can't remember where he lived. To, he moved to, uh, and he had moved before, like he, like he said here in the article. And then his family, and I, I know a lot of people gave money uh, to help buy tickets for his family so that they could join him, uh, his wife and, and his child, uh, wherever wherever he moved to. But even at that, they're still out of work, right? And so they're, you know, I don't know how they're surviving, but maybe he's doing online work and, and different things like that. But uh, the situation in Venezuela is bad, right? And it has continued to get worse and worse. And we see it, this downward, downward spiral, and it just seems like it starts... Um, it starts kind of slow, right? I, I still remember, and I, I know that y'all probably get tired of me talking about this, but it started out with you couldn't get feminine hygiene products and you couldn't get diapers. And then the next thing to go was toilet paper. And then it just spiraled after that. It started going pretty quickly where you weren't able to get you know things at the grocery store. There was lines at the grocery store and then you couldn't get things at the grocery store. And then, and then all the, the controls started and all that kind of stuff. And we've been talking about the the grid. I, I remember reading an article that he had written before about the people that ran the grid, you know, that knew the operators that they were all leaving, you know. And if I think if Maduro would have been smart, he would have taken care of those people so that they would have stayed behind so that they would make sure that the grid, if the electricity is going, uh, you know, that's that's that helps a lot of other, you know, as soon as the electricity goes, that, that takes things to a whole nother level, right? And uh, people here in the comment section, there was one person said that uh, that that the United States, uh, you know, did took out the grid to uh, topple the the current regime and, and stuff like that. And other people started chiming in, other people who, who know and have family members there and, and different things like that of no, the the power grid was not in good shape even before the collapse happened. I mean, the power grid was held together by you know, by band-aids, basically. It was just, you know, being patched together. The infrastructure was terrible. And really, we, when you think about it, how much, I mean, I know that President Trump has talked about 
putting money, I think it was like $1 trillion into infrastructure. And I don't know what all that includes specifically because I didn't really read into all of that. But how much has our infrastructure been taken care of or repaired or replaced, right? I mean, our our grid, you know, how old is our grid, the lines in our grid? Um, you know, how? what about the, the substations and the power stations and, and all those different types? What about our water treatment plant and things like that? Are those being upgraded or are those being like, hey, to, in order to save money and to make sure that you know, we make the most money for our uh, stockholders, that you know, we're just doing whatever we need to do to be able to, you know, to do business, but not necessarily, you know, uh, well, in, in, do business, but, but uh, do it very frugally and cheaply, right? And not really add to the infrastructure of everything. So that's something to kind of think about. Um, you knew that that was going on uh, in, or that was going to wind up happening in Venezuela. In fact, uh, I know that I talked about that on one of the podcasts. It, it's been a while, but it was something that they were expecting to happen, that the grid was eventually going to fail. And then you have people like water, you know, they, they, they're running out of water. And so there was videos of people getting water from the sewer. And I mean, come on. And I know it might be some thought, you know, a thought that you don't want to really go to. And and something is like, man, I really don't want to visit this. I don't want to think about what it would be for my family and, and all of that kind of stuff. But think about it this way. If, first of all, you know, thinking through it can help you start to put some things in place. Maybe like, what would I do? Okay, I could do this. Is this a possibility? Is this a possibility? Right. So you have that. But the things that you can, if you think about it, like, hey, I am doing this for my family. I'm putting these things in place so that they don't suffer later on. Right. And so putting some of those things or thinking through some of those things can help you put some things in place now. Thinking through some of those things can also just give you some ideas and could be places where you do a little bit of research and like, okay, well, how does my my neighborhood deal with sewage? You know, in, in a lot of places, there's pumps that have to pump sewage. You know, it goes to one place and then it gets pumped out. And if for whatever reason pumps aren't working, it's going to eventually back up. And so, but you might be in a place that it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So you don't have to worry or you wouldn't have to worry about that. What would you do about heat? You know, if it got too hot, what would you do if it got too cold? What would you do about, you know, food and different things like that? How much food do you really have? All those different kinds of questions that, that really come into play. What about water? What would you do about water? If the, if the tap didn't turn on, right? If you turned the tap on and nothing came out, what would you do? Is there a pond? Is there a lake? Is there a river? Is there a creek? Do you have a, you know, do you have a well? And if you have a well, do you have a way of getting water out even if you don't have power to it? You know, that's all of these things that are considerations. I, I know of people who have wells, but they don't have any way to get water out. They don't have any kind of hand pump or anything like that. And so maybe a little investment in a hand pump or, you know, in something that could be that you could switch out very easily so that you could get water would be very helpful. And then if you were in a situation where you could provide water to people, I mean, think about how grateful people would be 
and you know how people would would want to make sure that you were their closest friend. So all these things go into uh, you know play in a part of 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 the preparedness aspect of it and thinking it through. You know, do we ever want something like this to happen? No, but I probably would guarantee that the people of Venezuela would have said the same thing as well. And remember, they were one of the 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 most richest. You know, oil, I mean, they're they have oil, right? They're one of the most richest. Uh, Latin American countries, people would go down there to vacation. I mean, I mean it was a, a beautiful spot. They're tropical. They should be able to be grow, to grow anything, right? I mean, they should have that long growing season. Nobody should be starving, you know? Everybody should be, you know, finding a way to, to grow something. But that's not the case. That's not the way society responds. That's not the way people react. So all of these things we see going on over there. And so we start making mental notes of it. All right. How do people respond, react? What is going to be our reaction in a, you know, in a situation, a long-term situation, if we ever found ourselves in that? Well, guys, like always, this is going to be uh, in the show notes. This link to the organic prepper is going to be in the show notes. So you can come check it out. Daisy always does a great job of having other resources within her article so that you can always click to other things. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 567. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can search for the Prepper Website Podcast in any podcast catcher. And if you subscribe, that means you'll never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. Hey, and take a moment to connect with me. I have a link in the show notes so that you can join the Prepper Website email list and we can stay connected. And with that, Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.